Okay, so this is the BrianMadden.com podcast live from VMworld. I'm Jack Madden. I'm joined here by my BrianMadden.com co-author, Kyle Johnson. Kyle, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Good, good, thanks. And uh, and on our special guests, we have um, uh, fellow industry folks, uh, Gabe from FS Logics, uh, which some of you may remember from his previous tenure at BrianMadden.com. <laughs> yeah, that's how people know me now, Gabe from FS Logics. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and joining us uh, for a special treat, since we are at at VM World, uh, we have a representative uh, from VMware, Brian Madden. Hi, my name is Brian. Our good VMware. <laughs> okay, so uh, and of course uh, uh, we 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 we're bringing the gang back together to some degree. Yeah, this is crazy, man. Doing a podcast in Vegas <laughs> for a website with your name. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe works at a vendor. I work at a vendor. New guys here, <laughs> uh, and and uh, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's Tuesday morning. We had the the main keynote yesterday in the afternoon EU super, EUC super session. Um, just in terms of like what sticks out for as number one thing this year from last year. I mean, Gabe, you and I did the podcast last year, and I remember just like last year was a big year for features of Workspace One coming together, and. Uh, you, would, I, I think the best word to describe us on that podcast was probably maybe giddy. giddy? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's funny. Um, we definitely fanboyed out last year at VMworld. In a, it was kind of an inappropriate way. <laughs> <laughs> but that's actually a lot of that way that I ended up working at VMware because um, you know I wasn't mm -hmm. working for the you know leftbrainbed.com took that year and a half off or so and and uh, then in earlier 2018 when I wanted to you know enter the workforce again and was talking to people talking to both of you guys. Um, we're like, man, VMware Workspace One is so awesome, and I was like, VMware, really? I don't know. You know, are they gonna make us do <laughs> View? Can, can I tell a story? Like, I'm talking to you on the phone. You're thinking about going to VMware and and uh, or thinking about getting back into the world. And uh, I'm like, man, VMware stuff they're doing it with, with Workspace One is really cool. And I go through and explain everything, and you're like, yeah, that just sounds so boring. <laughs> <laughs> and and now this is what you do. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I I, I remember that. Because uh, I was standing in my apartment in New York, like looking out the window at the boats going by in the river, and I'm like, I literally fell asleep while you're talking. What were you saying? <laughs> but, and I'm like, just go back to our podcast from VMworld. It's exactly, exactly, and that's that 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 was it. Uh, and because at the time I was like, oh, physical client device management, like this is you know I started SMS in the '90s, in '95, and uh, which is honestly not that different than what SCCM is today. It's mm -hmm. really the same product. That's like 25 years old, uh, and and uh, but obviously you get into you know what's happening with like modern management and the way it's it's a whole it's a whole different world now. So, um, but it required your giddiness from that podcast last year to be like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So, and and we we've spent a lot of time talking about you know probably last year and the year before about how we've had there's been this vision for a while. It's like okay, we'll just take our device management and our desktop management and our app management and our SaaS app management and our virtual desktops. So let's just like do it all together and that will be cool. And and, and that was um, like, I remember first having those conversations around 2012 and we were like, that would be cool that if, mm -hmm. if that happened. And now basically we've been at the point where that has in more or less some version of completely completeness it's been getting you know to the to the 75 80 percent 
um, for a while now. I think that's why we were so giddy last year because it was it was reaching that. It's that, happening. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, because it, it was it was reaching that eighty percent level of like, hey, this thing that we've been talking about for years um, has been happening. So you want to see giddy. You should have seen the look on Jack's face when I said, you know what? We should go meet with the Airwatch team in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> I'm home, boys. And, and Jack was so happy. Like, you know, meet at the airport. He's like, I can't believe that we're doing this together. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to go to Perimeter Parkway in the suburbs of Atlanta. <laughs> well, well, to warehouse full of engineers. <laughs> <laughs> well, well it, it, it's, it's, all, it's always been, uh, you know, for, for many years, it was like, okay, uh, Brian and Gabe are the, the desktop people. I'm the mobile person. Uh, we say, I'm like, hey, what's going? They say, like, hey, what's going on in mobility right now? I'm like, oh, you know, in 2014, I've been like, oh, like, there's this Android work thing happening now, and and like, I, I would have been excited about whatever the latest was, but um, like, Brian, like, this means that you're you're like a mobile person now, right? <laughs> hey, as we just described, there's no such thing as a mobile person or a desktop person anymore. You know, I'm. Uh, hey, you saw the apparently the new tagline. You know, VMware Horizon optimized for humans. <laughs> <laughs> well, but 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 you. I mean, you know, you're right. And 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 this is. <clears throat> you know, you mentioned 2012. You know, we the three of us wrote that book, The VDI Delusion. And if you, I went back and read that last chapter of that book like six months ago or whenever I joined VMware, it was pretty spot on, because we really, you know. I was sort of skeptical about how, like, so VMware buys AirWatch, what, like four years ago for like a billion and change. And I'm a billion like, and a half. Okay, so I get, yeah, that's the chance change. of rounding, 500 million is a rounding error, you know, it's, uh, yeah. uh, we're, we're part of Dell now, you know, who can, who can but the, the uh, but at the time, you know, I understood like, yeah, we got that, that mobile, and as it went from MDM to MAM to EMM, all that stuff, like, you know, iOS and Android was one thing, web apps and like single sign-on was another thing. Windows, you know, VDI and RDSH was another thing. Um, I just didn't see how it was gonna come together. I'm like, man, to bring that together and then you really, for it to be real, you have to do physical Windows and physical Mac as well. And then, you know, but just managing all those things doesn't really do anything. You need to sort of like, well, now what can we do that's kind of like universal across all of it to actually get some, you know, like some real value. Like it's not just about having one management plane because everyone talks about, even now they talk about, Oh, WorkSpace One, it's great, it's one pane of glass. And I'm like, no one cares about how many panes of glass it is. You know, the Mac people are still supporting Macs, like the Windows people are still supporting Windows. Like someone's job is to package all these Windows applications and they don't care about Mac packages or iOS apps or whatever. Um, but from the like user reporting management standpoint, like there actually is a lot of ways it pulls together to where it, you know, it can be now. Oh, I've got my device, whatever it is, I can access all the apps. It doesn't matter what platform they're on, where they are, it's conditional access for everything. Um, I don't know, it's actually like, I guess that's part of why I'm here. Like it actually is working how we sort of fantasized about it working five years ago. Um, and I was skeptical back then. I, like I'd never thought that the idea of having like all devices, any device, any app, kind of one platform, I thought that was impossible. And well, well clearly you're, you're converted now. Yeah, and it's funny because all the cool things I talk about with VMware now are not because I'm an employee. It's opposite. I am an employee because of all the cool things I have. Uh, is your phone enrolled in Workspace ONE? Absolutely it is. And I got that new Workspace ONE hub app. Let me just reach over here. I've been using that thing since like two weeks ago that we announced last night. So it's cool. The icon's different. It's smoother. So uh, look at that. Okay, I really well, thought you were uh, bullshitting me there. No, it's right there. All right. Okay, okay. Look at that. Uh, look at that. Let me put your money where your mouth is. on hub. Right. Oh, offline so, access is restricted. Okay, I'll take this out of airplane mode. Uh, so, 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 so,
And anyway, so 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 let's get into the the some of the keynotes and some of the new stuff because I think we're we're all on board on you know modern workspace management or or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, so let's go to get to the actual keynotes and and the obviously our meet was in the afternoon keynote, but the the morning keynote I I just wanted to to comment on like before it was always kind of like are are they going to talk about EUC? Like, is is AirWatch or MDM going to get a, a mention in the main stage keynote? And this one of the, like, of, of all the VMworld keynotes, this one was, like, I think it did the, the best job of flowing smoothly <laughs> from one topic to another. And it's like, we do this and this and this and this. Now, I still feel like it's like, fundamentally, there's something about doing EUC that still feels different from all the from all the other things that VMware does. I mean, there are a lot of in the, on the security side and like you know, sure you can hook up so map some of the things that the end user is doing to NSX and obviously VDI has a lot of infrastructure type stuff involved. But it's like it still feels you know. Yeah, like I kind of feel like VMware could spin off the EUC group in its own company and it would not affect our strategy at all. Or at yeah. least its own conference. <laughs> or at least so, its own conference. So, 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 I, so, so number, number one, like, while I'm, I applaud how smoothly like EUC was incorporated in the main stage keynote and just like how like consistent that keynote was all the way through, like, I, I guess I really like the consistency. Um, they were standing I, on a floor of LEDs. <laughs> it was, you know, visually beautiful. But I, I, I will reiterate my my complaint um, from last year and from the previous year. Like, man, I really wish I really miss AirWatch Connect and the mobility zone down in the you know down in the expo hall is is you know there's like less than a dozen mobility vendors in there where the AirWatch Connect had like sixty or or whatever. And uh, like I, I just want that cool show back. <laughs> well, Connect was a different show because that was it was free, um, and it was more for like existing uh, partners and customers and that kind of thing. So it was more like uh, the model was different, you know, from what VMworld is. Uh, I, you know, I, I joined VMware in April, and so I was too late to sort of have an effect on what's happening at VMworld this year. Um, you know, we are doing that EUC. What are we calling it? EUC Geek Community Beer and Junk Food Bash, you know, tonight. Um, Jack, I was just thinking I needed some beer and junk food. I haven't had any yet. 5.30 p.m. with the Luxor. So still, it's EUC, so we're not at the main hotel. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. We're the, ad, we're the <laughs> adjunct. Well, so, so let's bring it to the, to the EUC super session uh, last night. So that, that, I don't know, that room had like a good... I had a thousand people. Oh in yeah, it. yeah. There's a thousand people there. Yeah, and uh, and the, the the crowd was was enthusiastic, um, and uh, so so uh, um, and the the first main main segment in there was was the desktop management stuff and sort of explaining like number one for, first for those that are familiar what is modern Windows management, and so a lot of these were features and, and things that. Um, Gabe, when I can't believe that was less than a year ago, when you and I went down into mm -hmm. Atlanta and they were talking about uh, the provisioning with Dell and how they're how they're uh, they were beginning then to do um, to do like group policy stuff. And what, one of the things that they did that they were sure to point out was like, hey, um, I keep on wanting to say wanting to say AirWatch, but like Workspace One, we cover a hundred percent of group policies. 
and um, I, 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 I just I definitely want to see what uh, Jeremy Moskowitz because yeah. I believed the, the group policy story and we, we kind of grilled him about it then and we went back with some more information later and the group policy story I believe um, but Jeremy Jeremy was very adamant that just because you get group policy doesn't mean you fix group policy preferences or support group policy preferences so I'd like to see it's been almost a year now uh, I'd like to see how VMware has progressed with that but I will say just overall uh, I think that VMware's continued to progress Workspace ONE to the point where it's increasingly viable and it's increasingly harder for those systems administrators out there today to dismiss it, right? Because it was easy enough to just be like, nah, we know how to do it the old way. We're just going to keep doing it the old way. But now when you keep adding features, the security features and stuff they showed yesterday that we'll get to, I'm sure. Um, I mean, admins, they have less to stand on now when well, they see this. Yeah, it's interesting because, um, you know, the stuff we're talking about with the desktop, so you're going against SCCM, which is a 24-year-old product. And there's people on that. I've, but your entire organization is built around right. using this. And, and I've been in the industry, like I'm an old-timer now, right? I've been in the industry 23 years. SCCM is 24 years old. <laughs> I mean, it's older than me. Uh, but it's funny, though, because, you know, so it's designed, I mean, it, you know, S SMS came out in 1994. Like, there was no Wi-Fi in 94. Like, it... Like humans hadn't thought that up yet. <laughs> like there was no Wi-Fi. <laughs> Everything was domain joint. A computer was a box on a desk. It sat on that desk 40 hours a week. The other 128 hours a week, we knew where it was. It was plugged in with the LAN. We had Wake on LAN. We were doing patching, updating. Um, even even you know people talk about SCCM management for um, for work for Windows 10 physical devices. SCCM is not the only way you manage it. That, that's only one leg of the three-legged stool, which also includes Active Directory and Group Policy. And Active Directory and Group Policy came out in Windows 2000, which was written in the late 90s. Those are that old now, you know? So, like, the whole idea of, like, the, the whole architecture for how you, you know, manage Windows devices was designed for boxes, domain joins, sitting on desks and buildings. And it's been band-aided, 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 band-aided for the past, you know, 20 years. Um, and, and it's fine. I mean, it does what it does. But, you know, SCCM, it's a lot to manage. There is no cloud version of SCCM. As you can't, well, you can build the VMs in Azure and buy express routes. Uh, but, you know, like it's, it's and SCCM, by the way, we talk about Windows, you know, on like the six-month update cycle for Windows. <laughs> SCCM was updated every four months. And you have to update all those servers before you can update your Windows with it. Um, yeah, it's just the old way of doing things. And so, you know, I think people... Like, look at how dismissive we, I'm pointing to Gabe, Gabe and I were, when you, pointing to Jack, were like, ah, oh, look at this mobile, it's mobile management. And we're like, ah, oh, okay, son, <laughs> you go ahead with that mobile thing. Um, and, yeah. and even, the, I, I remember like, hey, so Windows 8.1, it has these MDM APIs in mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I don't know what you're going to do about all your Win32 apps, but it has MDM well, APIs. See, that's the biggest thing. And this is the biggest thing I was skeptical about before I joined VMware, because people talk about, oh, now that Windows 10 has these modern management APIs that allow you to, um, you know, sort of patch and manage and report on it in real time, not domain joined, you know, anywhere in the world for cloud-based. Um, but all the modern management APIs for Windows 10 have a lot of limitations. So like when someone from VMware is like, oh, we can manage Windows 10 with the modern management interface, I'm like, uh, hold it there, son. <laughs> There's a lot I can't do. We had this conversation on podcast at brianbadden.com years ago about the limitations of the modern management APIs, which is why even Microsoft themselves says, oh, you can use Intune, comma, 
and SCCM and Active Directory and <laughs> GPOs to manage Windows 10 devices. Um, and then so VMware, you know, is like we're talking about, VMware made it so you can um, push out any group policy, you know, registry merges, not just configuration settings that Microsoft exposes. We can deploy any Win32 applications, not just MSIs and universal Windows platform apps. Um, it actually makes it kind of viable, which is awesome. However, you, that doesn't change the fact you've got 24 years of entrenched history of the way that things are working, and people are going to be understandably skeptical. Um, I think the key to that is what we talk about is, is that um, you can do the management for Windows 10 physical devices right alongside of SCCM. So I think this is like the real co-management. Like Microsoft talks about co-management. <laughs> the three-position slider. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, that's all the same company. What are you talking about? Shouldn't that be a radio button? I, I always thought that should be a, a radio button, not a slider. But <laughs> I don't think but, the first position is off, though. I think it's like, here we can do, isn't it like the center is some things are in tune, some are SCCM? Well, so it's it's per like which feature you want to, which workload you want, you want to transition over. Okay, but so we're just we need three radio buttons. But what's nice, so we're seeing now what what people are doing is, um, you know, the, the modern manager. There's so many advantages over like the traditional sort of domain GPO AD SCCM based management. And it's the same. It's all the advantages that you Jack have in your phones forever. Like. Management policies, like reporting is instant, status is instant. Lockdown, uh, device guard, not running random. Yeah, and like if I open up, I mean, you know, with the traditional domain model, if I, if I fly from here to London and I open up my laptop and there's a different like configuration settings for London, uh, if I don't actually VPN and log back into my domain on my laptop, it's not, I'm not getting those updated policies. And so I could be in London for three weeks and never have any, never have any updates. Uh, and so, you know, whereas at your phone, it hits the internet, it's instantaneous, it's got what it needs. So modern management fixes that. This is not a VMware thing, that's the, the modern management ar architecture, you know, for Windows 10. Um, but, you know, so like, I think everyone can sort of be like, yeah, that's way better, but because it's newer, it's more limited to what SCCM does, so it's like, well, we'll wait for it to mature, and, you know, the, the yeah, skeptical. Yeah. skeptical. And, and what was so like, so like next, next three years, how's this management transition going, up, going down? And like, how many organizations are you know the the eighty percent of the world or whatever that uses SCCM now? How many of those organizations are still just uh, SCCM for their desktop desktops and laptops? Like same thing that they're doing in one year and two year and three years and 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 that, not to mention that um, people are still pulling their hair out over getting ready for, for updates and, and patching and app compatibility. I think I think the world won't be ready until, what's the date, January 14th, 2020, right? When Windows 7 hits its end of life um, and Server 2008 R2 and, you know, everybody everybody can finally start focusing on, you know, away from migrations, away from managing two different platforms to all Windows 10. And then now that everybody can focus on Windows 10, they can see and evaluate what the modern management capabilities are that are available at that time. So there's there's a whole year left plus uh, for this whole thing to mature, and then people can go nuts. I don't. I still don't think they're going to go nuts. It's going to take a long time to pull SCCM AD group policy out. But uh, I'm not convinced. But, I, but I think that's I think that's the time. I'm not convinced SCCM will be a thing in three years. I mean, really, you know, uh, handwriting's on the wall. There's no. I mean, uh, you look at Microsoft trying to do more and more with Intune. Mm -hmm. um, and it is true that, you know, since Windows 7 doesn't have 
the modern APIs, the modern management APIs, like for all these modern management, Windows 7 just doesn't exist. Right, you know? if there's any Windows um, 7 in your organization, right. you've so, got this old method. So that 2020 is a good target, January 2020 is a good yeah. target date. Um, and, but you know, once you move beyond Windows 7, I mean, uh, I, mean, you know, and Mike, I mean, Microsoft has been adding more features into to Intune and everything. So I think that, I think Microsoft will get there. The, the real thing for us is like, okay, that's awesome. That handles your <laughs> Windows. What about your Macs? Yeah, like, yeah. like what about all, you know yeah yeah well well so so along the lines of um like app compatibility and testing and there was i wrote a about a a cool thing from um from login vsi where like to to do testing they they launch the apps and take a screenshot and like you know use some computer vision libraries to to compare the screenshot before and after upgrade and, and of course that's not going to be perfect but that's going to be like your initial rough pass of app compatibility testing and well i just yeah that's cool. brilliant I, yeah. I just think it's cool because it's using the the computer vision apis um there was something something that they showed uh in both keynotes yesterday where uh where workspace one was surfacing app compat data and i think they said that one of the sources was was like crash like crash logs and and things like that and uh you don't happen to know anything you don't happen to know the details of that individual feature do you no i'm gonna have to i'll follow up with you on a future future podcast so um there was a lot of stuff that was new to me uh on <laughs> then the keynote yesterday um and i was asking our uh some, some product marketing folks, I'm like, ah, some of the stuff I've never heard before. Like, this is awesome. And they're like, well, it was in your email last week about <laughs> what we're announcing. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I got that. She's like, yeah, I sent I'm like, oh, yeah, here it is. I'm like, <laughs> I welcome got, to working with Brian. I got, <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of emails from various VMware coworkers about important facts for next week and <laughs> links to this and links to that and this, here's this and mandatory slide and this thing and this. And I must have gotten lost in the shuffle, but I, <laughs> so uh, so VMware folks, uh, he's your problem now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's um, but the the gist though about a lot of this kind of stuff is you know Workspace One within the past like twelve months kind of had like the bare minimum features in terms of yes you can stay with a straight face we can manage physical Macs we can manage physical. Um, Windows, you know, obviously the iOS and Android and VDI and all that sort of stuff and Chromebooks. Uh, we can do all the web apps via what was Identity Manager or part of Workspace ONE. Um, so I think it did all the bare minimum, well, you know, like 12 months ago. Six months ago, five, four months ago, we announced, or we, we released the intelligence product um, and you know, we announced uh, Trust Network and sort of starting to take, when you have all these different devices and platforms and user actions in the same system like let's bubble that up and look at what we can do for scanning for security and automations and insights and um, you know all that kind of stuff so that's been around for a few months and i think we're just starting to scratch the surface on what that's capable of but everything else we're trying to do now is focusing on like all the little like niceties that, that are that are in there they kind of connect everything together you know so looking at like hey if you have persistent vdi and you've got windows 10 physical windows 10 is windows 10 let's run the workspace one agents inside your persistent vdi and get the same kind of insights and ability to you know like push out software and distribute and understand performance and you know all that kind of stuff so there's a lot of little things now like 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 we showed yesterday the um like looking at security templates and like recommendations from you know from malware and from nist and all these kinds of things like here's the recommended best practices having one button and sort of being able to just implement these best practices for your windows 10 images regardless whether they're vdi or um, you know, physical. Like, there's a lot of those little things that I think are going to actually um, make 
like administrators' lives easier. Uh, I think that's what we're focused on for the next, you know, the the next phase. Of what we're doing is to to sort of like polish everything. And so so move, moving on to the other devices, um, it was funny in the in the EUC super session. They're like, okay, they, they did like a, a twenty minute segment about about Windows, just like we're doing. And they're like, and by the way, uh, iOS, Android, Chrome, Mac OS ruggedized devices we do all that uh as as you know next section yeah i mean windows is still where people are most um concerned um because that's just where people's history is you know i think ios and android people like most customers get that i mean what was airwatch now workspace one you know unified endpoint management yeah um yeah like mdm even though it's evolved, it's been around 10 years, it's like, yeah, we, we get that that works. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Mac is kind of newer, and so, you know, we do a lot with the Mac and physical and can push out packages and security templates and, um, you know, auto-enrollment and um, all that kind of stuff. So I think what we can do on a Mac is is great, but there's just not a ton of people who are doing Mac management. Um, everything Jamf, you know, people are using Jamf uh, uh, for managing Macs, existing it, and how we can say, no, you can use Workspace ONE our goal is to use that instead of SCCM. Our goal is also you can use Workspace ONE instead of Jamf. But I think there's not, like this conference doesn't have 22,000 nerds running around who are like looking for Mac management solutions. Who, who care about how difficult it is to image Macs right, now. Right, right, right. As opposed to back in the day. Yeah. Well, well. so, and and so I, I think that's going to be a litmus test. I mean, there, there are a lot of issues uh, within within Android and, and especially within iOS. Um, uh, come to my come to my session tonight, and I will uh, get up on my soapbox and and talk about like some of the the nitty gritty issues in these OSs. But th these are very much long tail issues of like we've been managing iOS and Android in one way or another for ten years, and like here are the still you know the, the, the and these are like for Apple to fix, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and some of them some of them for you know for for Microsoft with like opening up the office oh, management for example in in, uh, in an even better way I mean like with uh, with all due respect like Workspace One send that app to go back and forth between like Office and the Workspace One apps and uh, BlackBerry has an equivalent too like uh, like those are kludges like I'm. I'm glad that they're addressing the, there to address those problems, but those apps are for sure like kludges that shouldn't have to exist. But they have to exist because of Microsoft, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like if you bang my, I bang my head on the desk that that human like development effort had to be wasted to build <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> so, so the, the 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 way that I've been thinking about it for the last that, that, that's been coming up to me is. All these, all these um, monitoring and user experience vendors that have been in our space for you know for years and years, like mm -hmm. uh, monitoring the heck out of a virtual desktop user experience. Of course, like that's you know very important because you have to do all your tuning and everything. Um, but on physical desktops too, my question now is like, are you offering or are your customers at? asking for the same type of monitoring for the user experience on on Mac devices and I and I think like we assume like what it's a Mac it's it's a nice machine it'll just work fine like what do I have to worry about right um, but but I, I think that'll be the, the sign of a tipping point when like uh, like the Mac endpoints in our environment are important enough like yeah we want to have our agent collecting data about what's going on there, and the same thing—the same thing with our mobile applications. I mean, sure, like 
probably a lot of our commercial apps are, are connecting uh, metrics and stuff, but really uh, putting the analytics in our mobile devices. Like there, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of retail mobile device experiences. Like you go out in the store and it's like, uh, like a four-year-old iPhone um, in a sled and it has like the barcode scanner and the, the credit card reader attached. And those apps, they're freaking slow. <laughs> and and like, like this is a critical frontline line of business application and, and, and it's running on iOS. And there's, there's you, you could have an, an SDK in that app monitoring it. You could have it, um, you know, APIs talking to the device to, um, you know, like look at the battery health and thing like that. Things like that. Um, yeah, because you know, we bought that company called Aptelligent, uh, I don't know, a year or two ago that, that does that. Uh, so you imagine, not, uh, you, you know, it's, it's sort of in-app performance monitoring. Um, in order to use it, you have to uh, basically compile your app with it. It's a, you, you add like a header file into the, the source code and so it plugs that in. Uh, but that's another data point we can use and bubble up into, into Workspace ONE Intelligence. Uh, so we already have like the Workspace ONE um, agent with, uh, on the device, which gives like the raw device, you know, battery and health and apps installed and that kind of thing. So then if it's a custom in-house developed app, the idea is we can pull the telemetry out of there. And you can envision that moving forward into other platforms uh, as well. Um, of course, given how are, how are my Chromebooks performing? Yeah, and the problem is that's only like, the Aptelligent is only giving you metrics for the apps that you've written yourself. Um, so, you know, you, you, you could also envision there's, um, uh, there's a lot that, that an agent from the outside is able to sort of understand about performance and apps and, you know, like just how much memory they're using and CPU and just all that, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot you can do sort of within the OS and then a lot you can do from like the VM looking at how much memory is overall being used and how's that being performing and that kind of thing. So I think you could, anything, you know, we've, we've sort of consolidated our Windows 10 development efforts. Um, so, it, it, you know, AirWatch, VMware bought like four years ago maybe. Within the past couple of years, they combined the groups together. Um, so it truly is like kind of one product management structure uh, from what was like historically Horizon for just desktop virtualization and AirWatch for like physical devices. That's all kind of combined together. So now you're seeing, like I said, we saw the, the Workspace ONE agent for physical Windows 10, you can now use on um, uh, VM, like virtual Windows 10. It's the same kind of stuff. So anything like, anything we can do from the um, like within Windows OS to understand performance and analytics and all that kind of stuff. It was something that, you know, if, if we can run on a physical Windows 10, we want to run on a VM as well. Um, but you can also imagine things from the outside, uh, like you look at all the, you know, looking at the, like the hypervisor level, you know, we understand how many, what users are running and where they're running and you could, you know, there's a whole lot to be done there with sort of like AI and tuning, like all these users have two vCPUs and four gigs of RAM. Is that good? Should it be three gigs? Should it be five gigs? Should it be two point? For VCP, like what, you know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff we can look at. We start talking about like auto-tuning, machine learning, AI type stuff that, you know, could apply to like a, you know, uh, a virtual environment um, as well as a, uh, out to a physical environment. Yeah, so speaking of virtual environments, let's, um, for, so, so th this might be a first for like a VMworld podcast that we're like a half hour in and it's like, okay, let's talk Horizon. <laughs> Who'd have thought? I, I mean, I mean, let's. I'm, I'm just looking at my notes here, and uh, you know, the big Horizon announcements were. Oh, what, um, let's see. What was it? Um, well, we can like, make multi-session like, sharing. Multi-person yeah, okay, session yeah, sharing. Yeah, and, and that's kind of cool because because we wrote the hooks into um, Horizon like kind of for like the shadowing basically, um, but the way it was written arch architecturally, um, it's essentially like you've got a session running and you just send it 
you know, the, the, the protocol encoders are sending it down to one, you know, client. It's like, oh, let's make that kind of like, like layer that so that that level could like just send it, send that down to two clients instead of one client. Um, and then they're like, why does that have to be just two? <laughs> why not? Why not? Uh, it, could be, it could be more. I don't know. And uh, I think ten is like the, the support. Like, yeah, have ten people share the same session. What do we care? Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a party trick. It could be cool though. And 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 so that'll be that'll be a blast feature. Um, I, well, I mean, I, I don't know. If that's necessarily a blast. It'll be a Horizon feature, and then you know, an upcoming version of Horizon. Um, and I don't know if they saw. I don't know if they talked about what versions these things are coming in. Like you saw it running. Yeah. Um, I yeah. don't. I don't know. Uh, we're not supposed to talk about future versions and things like that, but like you saw a demo yesterday. Well, so 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 speaking of speaking of future versions, the um, the the article that I've been meaning to write is sort of like the cheat sheet for all the different versions of of, of Horizon. Yeah. Um, because uh, like 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 we went back and and kind of starting with uh, starting with the Desktone acquisition, and then and then there was Project Enzo, and and things got kind of Let's just say there there are, are the the matrix of different versions and and where your compute and or where your your workloads and where your management is. Uh, it's 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 complicated, but it seems like the one of the the, the things that they talked to, talked about yesterday is a Horizon Seven cloud connector. So you're on prem or in AWS Horizon Seven, you can surface data into it uh, about. Uh, like what's going on in there, and and it, and, it, and it seems to be like I'd, I'd love to see the whole. I'm I'm assuming that there's a roadmap somewhere for like, uh, and and we were talking about this in my briefing yesterday. That like, of course, you know, in a year, two years, at some point, there's not going to be Horizon Seven and Horizon Cloud. It's just going to be Horizon. Were you yeah, talking? So what's this connector actually do? Who was talking about that with you? Because um, oh, look at my notes. When before I joined VMware. Uh, you know, we wrote articles like, oh, there's Horizon Cloud, which was Desktop, and there's Horizon 7, which was like View on-prem. Those will merge at some point. Um, and I think in a lot of ways they have, like it's the same Horizon client for, you know, it's the same Blast protocol, all that kind of stuff, it doesn't matter. But now I kind of have a little bit different perspective is that I don't know if they necessarily should fully merge. I'm giving my personal opinion here. I'm not in the product group, so in no way am I <laughs> responsible for any of this kind of stuff. But, but it, it, well, 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 like, of course, you'll still want an on-prem management plane someday, and that could be that could be a, a pod of an on-prem pod it, of it could, Horizon but, Cloud. You know, it's like one of those things. Like Horizon Cloud, it's like it's like why Microsoft was going to RDMI. Like Horizon Cloud was built for a multi-tenant. You know, like it's for like lots of different. Customers running like it's built as a multi-tenant cloud service. Well, if you're building something on-prem, like you don't need that. That's just not like. But is it like? Is it bad to use that? I mean, I, I mean, I, I, the. But it kind of depends on how things are designed, right? So, like Horizon Cloud is designed as a service. So, if that's designed for like VMware to operate, for example, like providing as a service, it's a global. You know, like it's. It's it's like the difference between like what's the behind the scenes it like 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 uh, Office three sixty five mail is not Exchange right like um, uh, Azure is not Hyper V 
you know like they're they're different because because when you have a heart, like a cloud-based control plane that's like that's operated by us on the background it's like continuously updated it's meant to run in multiple places all over the world and like provide a service for lots of multiple tenants um that's like a different product than you building one in a vm on on-prem and you might say well i just built just give me one tenant it's like one of those things it's like yeah but it's not really built to be bundled and packaged and you know what I mean? Like it's it's um, it's like what you're building. But but if but if you can, you know, like, like kind of if if you can if if you can have a future where anything on prem is just like a, a you know one tenant's worth of, of whatever you're doing in the cloud, like is that such a bad thing? Well, it might be one of those things where um, imagine what an architecture looks like. You know, imagine. Um, uh, I'm speaking hypothetically, like again, going back to Microsoft and their exchange hosting, like they're not running exchange VMs, you know, for every customer. Um, they probably have like this cloud-based exchange service that has like 47 different components that are all talking to each other. And like, it's like, oh, I want that on-prem. It's like, okay, here's 47 VMs and here's like 59,000 pages of configuration documentation because we wrote that for us to, to, to host email. If you Could want you a product- Like wrap it up in a virtual appliance. But why? But why? Like, because we yeah we have that. It's Horizon Seven. But, <laughs> but 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 like in the, in the, instead of instead of like installing all the components of Horizon Seven, you just install like you know one virtual appliance that that configures all the components of Horizon Cloud, and and wouldn't that be simple simpler? Well, but look at these things. Like it's the same thing where um, like our intelligence service. You know, um, our intelligence service is run, written on AWS. Um, and it's using like literally like 50 different AWS services. Like there's their big data and their analytics. And, like these aren't even necessarily things that are VMable, <laughs> you know? Because um, it goes back to it. When you have a cloud native architecture, uh, you design applications for the cloud for these massively distributed multi-tenant, you know, service-based uh, architectures. And you don't necessarily need to do all that like quote unquote like on prem. So um, I think the evolution we're going to see, and this is not even speaking about Horizon. Can I run AWS services on on prem? Well, as of yesterday, you can run uh, you can run uh, the relational database service. Right. Yeah. So there's but there's a use case of bringing something that's in the cloud on prem. That's one service. There's forty nine dollars that yeah. you can't do that with. But the but the point is is um, you know I don't think it, I don't think we're, we're going to see like there's there's. Um, uh, I don't, I don't think we're, we're going to see the need to have to bring like everything on-prem versus everything cloud. You know, it's like the same thing with, um, you know, because as is right now, the control planes on cloud, uh, you can put your, um, you know, workloads where you, your, your VMs can kind of be wherever. But for people that do want an on-prem control plane, yeah, so that's Horizon Seven, um, I, and I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if uh, you know five years. Does anyone want an on-prem control plane? I I, I don't know. Um, you know, we're seeing we're seeing. Uh, um, we talked about this before. Like Office changed the changed the game. Office three sixty five with a lot of people who are like, we can never use the cloud. And uh, but my and point is, just, or, that, or, that or, use or case maybe, is diminishing because the, there was you you the, you could always say there's a customer out there who's definitely going to have to have this on on prem because they can't use the cloud or don't want to use the cloud, and that's where it's not worth diverting resources to making the virtual appliance that has 50 different components on it that works for these you know handful of customers that's growing smaller and smaller every day um, when Horizon 7 exists. It's the same thing, for that, those customers. Or, and I'm very, to be very clear, I'm talking like as Brian, not a VMware person, because I'm not in the product groups, but like, it's the same thing with like, I mean, it's like the blenders, when I worked at Baskin Robbins, you know, the blenders we had cost $700. 
because they blend all day long with these things. They are commercial grade blenders that do that kind of thing, which is a very different use case than the blender. And it's like, could you have a $700 blender in your house? Like, of course you could, like, you don't need it. Uh, so, and I think that speaks across the whole board. Like when you look at um, like native, you know, this is the same reason, like we have native, these massive applications are like native cloud-based architectures that are meant to use to consume all these services. You know, we're, we're architecting applications differently to run in the cloud than you do on-prem. Certainly there's things that can be containerized and put in Kubernetes and put on VMs and you can have local VMs. There might be like connector VMs and you know, that kind of stuff. But like I said, at the end of the day, uh, like Office 365 email is not Exchange. Azure is not Hyper-V. Uh, they're just different products designed for different use cases. Um, now the client's the same. Um, and so I think it's the same kind of thing, you know, like I, I before I was very much like, oh, these should merge together. And I was exactly where you're sitting, where I'm like, oh, just merge all together and have these pods you can run locally or remotely or whatever. Um, and that still is the case today in terms of like where your VMs are and um, you know your gateways, the universal access gateway and um, all that kind of stuff, you can sort of run run wherever. Um, but like the actual, like to take a, a cloud-based multi-tenant cloud native architecture design control plane and say, so I wanna run that on-prem. Um, it's like, uh, that's not how it's designed. Let's build like, you want a VM? We'll build it. We'll, we'll build your VM that does that same stuff. That's meant for like one VM. You can deploy easily and is version controlled and supported. Um, and we have that. It's called Horizon Seven. Or, or maybe, maybe the also in two or three years, like, sure, you don't want to run the 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 control plane on prem, but there's some sort of there's some sort of cloud that you are. Uh, maybe you know it, it, it's either like. It's available as a service in you know in in a gov cloud somewhere, mm -hmm. or it's like you know uh, a semi-private cloud or yeah. And the real thing that is could be a thing, right? The key, yeah. yeah from, mm -hmm. Seriously though, and, and the the key is um, you know what that cloud connector does is because right now there are two different products, and I think VMware can certainly do uh, can certainly go like there's there's work to be done in terms of integrate like integrating licenses and that kind of stuff like. If we're up to me, and again, I'm speaking my own opinion, if we're up to me, there'd just be like a Horizon license, you know, and it doesn't matter whether you're, it's a cloud-based or local or whether you're like AWS or Azure or I'm assuming someday like all the cloud, you know, it doesn't matter. It should be just like, I got Horizon, run on yours, run on mine, switch it back and forth, you know, whatever. And the cloud connector is that first step. So that's what that cloud connector is, is, um, okay. you know, so you saw um, when you use that sort of cloud-based control plane, um, there, uh, with like Horizon Cloud, you can see like you got your map of the world, and you can see where your little things are, and you can see all your Horizon Cloud users and like what their what their um, you know like utilization is and all that kind of stuff. But that that was separate from Horizon on prem. To your point, Jack, where it's like um, well, on prem is its own thing that wasn't using that backend architecture and is like completely isolated. So Cloud Connector is saying, hey, um, let's take away for the, like what we have with Horizon on prem, sort of connect that into the cloud based control plane, so that if you have a mixture of both environments, um, you can actually see everything from one place. Uh, and so that's what that Cloud Connector is. Um, and so you saw you could add like Horizon. Seven, like the on-prem versions, which ironically and confusingly you can run on AWS, because AWS, you know, the VMware cloud on AWS, that's like basically vSphere as a service, right? So it's a, it's a vSphere instance running in Amazon's data centers, so you can install whatever you want on that, including Horizon. Uh, so you can actually build like your own Horizon on-prem, quote unquote, on AWS, which is cool, because then you can do like, you know, vMotion and like cloud bursting and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, so now if you have like, and then Horizon Cloud is on like Azure and it's on uh, like the IBM Cloud. Um, so now if you have, now the cloud connection basically lets you have like a, a dashboard for um, all your users, all your Horizon users anywhere in the world, whether they're like the on-prem version or the cloud version. Yeah, yeah, so there we are. So the the other thing that I that didn't come up in the keynotes, which is certainly, I'm, I'm sure coming up in other places, um, you know, so they mentioned uh, one of the new announcements was, oh, I'm looking for it, but it, it was um, um, like jump on AWS. Yeah. Um, and 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 so 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 that got me thinking about like how how long it's been since we've had like hardcore persistent versus non-persistent uh, conversations and probably probably today and 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 this is uh, maybe you cover this in your is VDI uh, dead session um, but if we if we make today the like the the graph or like chart of use cases for persistent non-persistent. Uh, Windows 10 multi-user, wherever that will fit, <laughs> and uh, and RDSH. Um, I, I guess maybe we should just wait until until Windows 10 multi-user is out and and remake our graph of of that. But I, I don't think it changed. Like the conversation, I don't think changes from what it was 10 years ago. Um, like the theoretical, like yeah, non-persistent is easier to manage. Giant caveat: <laughs> if you can get all your applications packaged in, like you know. So VMware calls it the just-in-time management platform, which is sort of a combination of app volumes, uh, thin app, um, user environment manager, which is the media stuff, as well as instant clones, which instant clones are freaking rad and so much better than Lynch clones, and Lynch clones can't die fast enough, in my opinion. Um, so it's with instant clones and you know, you know, user environment manager and all that stuff. It's like, oh, this is our version of this little like, you know, web-based kind of little management console and everything. I'm like, oh, look, it's, it's instantaneous desktop on demand. But with that huge caveat of like, well, you know, as long as all your applications are compatible and you can work within limitations of you know what can be done dynamically and all that kind of stuff. And, so, and then when you can't do that with that stuff, you call us. <laughs> call up his logic. Call up his logic. A partner, VMware partner in good standing. Yes. I like to point out to people when we're, I say up his logic. We're good and, friends. Um, but but you know, but the thing is now, okay, so there's that. Now on the other side of the thing is um, you know, like the modern manager for Windows 10 actually allows us to manage Windows 10 environments a little bit more in a more modern and streamlined way than what we had before. And as I was saying before, those can also, the Windows 10 modern management we can use within VDI environments as well. So I sort of make an argument that managing um, uh, persistent VDI is getting easier. So non-persistent is easy to manage, but like doesn't always work, but that's getting more and more compatible over the years. Persistent VDI is great, just like the old way, but that's actually becoming easier to manage because of these Windows 10 modern management features. And like what we showed yesterday in the um, the keynote, the demo of like you know all your apps are coming from Workspace One and like persisting those. Um, so if you you know like and like it's so easy to patch um, you know with Workspace One, like even OS patches and that kind of stuff. Um, it I see you laughing there. It's true. <laughs> I, it is easy I, to patch the Workspace I, One. I, I I know. I I just. They're, they're, he's they're like, I like, can't believe I'm looking at Brian. He's saying this. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at least now I can be a shill for a vendor and like be could be poor people like, oh, you're a Citrix shill. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And uh, yeah, no, so no, like, VMware is paying you this. Yeah, time. like my, my <laughs> they, they never my, were my before. Neck, my neck holder says VMware. <laughs> yeah. um, but 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 seriously though, like think about it's so easy to patch, uh, like to push out Windows patches, you know, uh, for persistent Windows 10. 
And um, you know, you know all the performance with virtualization, whether it's like software based or hardware based or ACI. But you know, we got all the benefits of like lots of different users. You can still do single instance block level storage and all that sort of thing. So the performance of persistent is fine. Um, it's not like it was in the old days, where it's twenty quadrillion times more expensive. Um, and it's like, hey, persistent, and you need to push out Windows patches once a month. You need to push out pat, you know, new versions of Windows. Um, you can do that very easily. I mean, I think it's easy to push out patches today with Workspace One to Windows 10 than it was to like reset your linked clones, you know, three years ago. Um, so I think like persistent. I mean, I'm, you know, I got a, a soft spot for persistent always, uh, and I really think that it's like getting easier to manage persistent. Um, so if we, if you know, if you if you have VDI and it's all persistent in 2018, I feel like that's you know that's fine, and that's what most customers are doing still with VDI, by the way. Yeah, not all, yeah. but like. I, well, I should say it's the most. Most of the customers I talk to, I feel like persistent VDI is still mm -hmm. the the thing that they're doing. Well, so so the other thing that that I that I'm wondering and thinking about is like user environment management and modern management. You know, sort of seem to be on a collision course of or like melding into each other, overlapping more uh, because because there are you know th things that as Things that used to be in a profile get more exposed by you know by the modern um, you know the modern CSPs. Um, so yeah, that, that'll be fun to watch. Yeah, and there's there's still a breakdown between you know all settings in Windows. You have settings that the administrator sets and like has to enforce. You have settings the administrator puts as a default, but users are allowed to change. And then you have settings that users are doing themselves. And I can say settings, applications, configurations. All, all that is part of that, you know? So I can sort of see like like a tool like a UEM, it's so annoying by the way, it's user environment manager, is <laughs> yeah. a different UEM than unified, unified endpoint, endpoint management. Um, uh, but the, UA, the um, user environment manager. You missed it last year when HP released DAS, but device as a service. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> um, but we also have like data as a service. If you Google for DAS, data as a service is what the number one hit is, uh, more in desktop. Wow. Um, huh. But anyway, um, so, where was I? Oh, so like yeah, like I could see like the modern management is great for um, you know like pushing out applications, patches, configs, like policies, that kind of stuff. And the UEM side is like, you know, the pictures of my kids in the background and like the applications that I have installed myself and the other things that that, that I sort of set up for my environment. Um, so I kind of see those two things. You're right. Like there is there's um, it's a coexistence with those. Like I don't think that UEM replaces or I don't think modern management replaces uh, UEM. Um, but I can certainly see the desire for consistency. Going back to it, like I said, Windows is Windows. I want the way I'm managing a Windows environment, I want that to be the same across the board, and that is separate from how it's being delivered, whether it's physical on a laptop or whether it's you know virtual via Horizon VDI. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so so bringing, up, bringing around to the last session of the EUC Super Session last night was, uh, uh, was was all on the like the workspace productivity apps, and so I, I've I've like a few um, you know like soapbox arguments about about that, and and um, but Jack just couldn't wait to get you onto this and just grill you. I, I I only have let's see it's ten thirty. I got like fifteen minutes now. Um, <laughs> yeah, but we yeah. let's do another podcast. It's fun. But well, well, well so you so have my podcast next. Like like I think I think a lot of people ho hopefully by by now. Um, Everybody should be aware, or or just know that it's established. Like, okay, with um, just like your various paradigms of BYOD options. Like, okay, if you if you don't want to enroll the device, you know, you, you can do containerized email. 
um, and like when you have to say like, okay, that that's just like there are some BYOD scenarios today. Like, well, my users want to do this, but I want to do this, and it's like, yeah, you, your users are going to have two phones. <laughs> <laughs> There's still a lot of people with two phones. Yeah, yeah, and and whereas like five years ago, I was like, this is a failure of the system. Uh, today, uh, much more experienced Jack is much more pragmatic <laughs> about that. Aww. So proud. Yeah. Um, so, so, so one of one of the one of the interesting things that uh, that they got into is was like the new Workspace One Hub app, which I guess like the old AirWatch agent uh, has like graduated into Workspace One Hub. Yeah, which I think they do just so no one needs to like re-enroll the devices. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think I don't. I, I think that means a Workspace One app goes away, and what was the AirWatch agent becomes. Hub and like takes on the functionality of the of the Workspace One right, uh, right. portal as well. Yeah, yeah. So and, and there there are a couple of different migration paths in there. Um, but what what was interesting there is uh, the there there are the couple tabs. There's like you know the find all your apps tabs. There's the the company directory tab, um, and and one of them is the notifications tabs, which which in the in my in the live blog, I'm like, wait, is this mobile flows? It looks a lot like it and sounds like it. And the answer was yes, um, but you know, they said like notifications uh, fits a lot better in that tab than like, yeah. than than mobile flows. Um, but so, <laughs> also, what the hell's a mobile flow? <laughs> um, yeah. So so the, so the, this is this is something that we've been towing around for years. I mean, back when when we first started covering app transformation mm -hmm. and like how do we make all of our enterprise apps. Uh, easily accessible, and so in that in that hub app for now, it it, it appears to be it, it's just focusing on like simple notification based workflows. Like you can an expense report comes in and and it has a little bit of information and you uh, you know approve yes or no. But there are also other other basic flows of you know like searching for information or like capturing a lead into your CRM and the the uh, this, this space is a little bit in interesting because there are there are a ton a ton of vendors that all aim like we're going to make it easy to take your big old enterprise apps and make it into convenient mobile apps maybe they're micro apps maybe they're like uh, who's administering these yeah, yeah. So I, I'm asking both of you because I mean I've been focused on four products for like six months. So well, I'm okay. Out of so it, but, here's here. Let's, but let's, who's who's creating these notifications and these workflows? Let's, let's take a step back. So first of all, the mobile flow service is part of Workspace One, mm -hmm. um, and it is. Don't laugh at me. It is. I'm telling <laughs> I, you. Like I, I, I'm just saying who's doing I, it. I'm I, saying. But I'm just picturing like on the keynote stage, like. Well, as you know, the mobile flow service is one of Workspace One's many components. But it's like you had a bet with Noah. I can say Workspace One 75 times. Meow. <laughs> 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 There's a Super Troopers 2, by the way. I heard it's not great. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, don't, so don't, don't spoil the first one. <laughs> um, but I know I said that because in terms of who's doing this stuff, like that puts it in the EUC world. Um, and what mobile flows, so there's mobile flow service and there's there's connectors and these connectors are all all open source. We have like reference implementations that are on our GitHub account um, and they connect into um, all the apps you saw on the slide uh, like Salesforce and Jira and Concur and um, I don't know, Okta and like all these kinds of things. And these connectors are open source. You can write them in whatever language you want, anything with an API. I mean, do a SNA gateway to 3270, whatever. Um, 
And the idea with this is that, you know, in the old days, um, when people were using Windows, like we as IT knew everything about their machine, everything about what they're doing, their workflows, what apps are running, how they're running. And now as more and more things become like sort of web-based, it becomes a bigger black box. So we know that people are using, you know, Salesforce. So we can say like, oh, they're on the Firefox browser on salesforce.com 19 hours a week. But we don't know what they're doing in there. Uh, and we know they're using a Salesforce app on a mobile device. Um, and so both from a security standpoint and from a reporting and like a visibility standpoint, and just from the standpoint of trying to help you know, improve the productivity of what users are doing and as they go through their, their routine, um, you know, these like, kind of SaaS apps are bigger and bigger black hole. And so, you know, I kind of said, well, what, what can we do to sort of start to tie into some of these applications? And as all these apps have, um, uh, you know, APIs and everything. So the approvals is a very simple one. You know, the, before mobile flows, you get an email from Concur. I click the link to approve it. It flips me over to Concur. I approve it, flip back to my email, delete the email, do it again and flip back and forth. And then I'm like, oh, I got seven things in Concur, approve them all. Then I delete the emails, but it's not just Concur. I also have my Workday ones and my, uh, you know, Jira and all these kinds of things. So approvals is a very simple, it's a very simple thing to do. Um, but I think that, you know, like Jack, you said, you, you know, these are basically sort of based on like the first version of mobile flows uh, was built into the Boxer, like our email client for iOS and Android. And it was basically like, like regex looking at emails, like where they're coming from and what is information in them. And, you know, within the connector, it would control what it did and what that little action card showed, like approve or deny or add or how it's rendered, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, but ultimately, that was just sort of like a very sort of first, you know, implementation. Um, and so moving these notifications into the hub app, um, you know, is, is like you said, this sort of the continuation of that. But, but the idea is not just for approvals, um, you know, we can look at, like, all, I mean, often we can, can go to a set of like microservices that lets us look at these other business applications and tasks that people are doing in them. And most of these things that have APIs and starting to allow people to like pull, you know, components together um, and like, you know, expose stuff for users in ways that make sense on whatever device they're using. Um, and the reason I mentioned this is because, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I forgot where I was going with that, but. <laughs> well, so my question, so my question was who's, who's actually writing these though? Is it the application owners? Is it end users? Is and it IT? Application and, owners and, or and, IT. And that's, but that's part of a larger question because to, to, to make the whole workspace one, or, or, or any like, you know, modern EUC vision, which, you know, everything is, uh, you know, based on, you know, contextual access and, you know, identity based and no more perimeter beyond corp, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like I have to get the mobile people and the desktop people and the VDI people and yeah, uh, the identity people all like, how do you even right, get all those people in the same room? It's just we, those two. It, but yeah. this is what, okay, this is my point I was making that I forgot. This is why VMware can do it because we already had to get those people together for Workspace ONE. And so it's not just about refactoring you know, mobile apps or whatever, it's that um, you do need all these people together, but those are the people you need together to make Workspace ONE work. And you've got, you know, there's a data management component and a security component and the user and all the application owners and the device owners and uh, all that sort of stuff. So that's where like VMware, like Workspace ONE is positioned that you know, it has the deep visibility from the user, where they are, what devices they're on, what cloud applications they're using, what where they are so even like even what is exposed to them via like a mobile flows or notification services you know there's just a lot more deep context um and you know i don't think it's limited to just a notifications tab in some ios app i mean there's notification systems built into windows 10 and built into mac and android uh you know there's potential for all sorts of different 
uh, apps and like microservices that could sort of run. But I think if you're coming at that from the standpoint of we have a platform already that you know manages the devices, the users, the network, uh, the identity and access, and all that sort of stuff, like that is a platform that could like spring out this kind of um, like these kind of notifications that flows, as opposed to being some like rando startup company that's like, oh, we're gonna you know look at your emails and make notifications. Yeah. Uh, well, well, so. So 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 five years ago, everyone was talking like, "Hey, mobile is a big thing now. You should build your mobile strategy and have a mobile center of excellence, and you know, like cross-group collaboration." And so clearly, to make this modern EUC experience, it's like you have to have your end-user computing like console in your organization and like bring. I, now, now, I, now I feel pretty ridiculous. We're like, I'm, I'm making like hugging marsh, motions with my arm. Like you have to bring in like people from all the teams together. You do in your company. faster. You're gonna take off. But but, <laughs> but but here's the thing. This is so I don't like the name Mobile Flows because why is it just mobile? I don't want. Oh, this is awesome. When I'm on my phone and I get the email from Concur, I can just push a button in my email and approve it without going to Concur. Well, I don't want to go into Concur on my laptop. So, <laughs> so so it should be. That's what I'm saying. The fact that that the the improving the user experience by recognizing that this action is required by the user should not be limited to one app on one mobile device. So are they, are they in are are I I I can't remember right offhand without looking it up what what was said either this year or last year about mobile flows in the in the desktop workspace client. Yeah, um, I don't think anyone is limiting their imagination around mobile flows to just mobile devices. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so the 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 other point that I wanted to make about mobile flows before before we wrap up to the final thing is that we had all these conversations for years about like. Um, when it comes to managing device applications, like hey, all these these SaaS clients, you know, like the 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 Salesforce app, the Box app, whatever, like, um, you know, if we want to do those on an on an unmanaged device, like we can't just stick our mobile app management SDK or app wrapper in there, but like we want to containerize these apps. Well, if you do a mobile flows thing, you there you have access to those apps. Inside inside the containers, so that that's um, yeah. Like your app is a container, then yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So so now, of course, like Android work profiles um, certainly eliminate a lot of the old SDK and and app wrapping use cases and and the whole app um, config community. I mean, I think has come a long way towards that sort of stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and and then on the the iOS side, like Android work profiles certainly have. A number of advantages over the current off iOS button. That's what I like about paradigm. Android work. The off yeah, button. Yeah, that's what I want for iOS. I mean, I, I've been probably it was probably about eighteen months ago that I like uh, wrote up the first like, okay, here's here's clearly the ways that iOS is going to be lagging Android, especially Android work profiles, and now it's as more and more and more people hopefully start using work profiles it'll like come to a fever pitch and and people will have the, the pitchforks out for apple and and hopefully we'll see hopefully we'll see something i'm just I, I, if I, we I, all switch off of iMessage at the same time to like whatsapp or whatever then we can just all switch off of iOS. I, I have other friends too and family. So can we get can we get them to switch no, off we're too? Talking, oh. We're talking a lot of people. I actually don't. I just have you two and the, Dennis. But like, well, it's you know, the the, the family like you got. Yeah. But then Dennis has to switch. I bet. Oh, my parents both use iMessage. Oh. Your, your, do yours even text? 
Yeah, but I can. We'll, we'll replace her uh, message app with a WhatsApp, and she won't even notice the difference. They're both green. Uh, so, so we're we're coming we're coming up in an hour now. So, uh, real quick, rapid fire. You know, coolest thing that you saw in the well in in day one at VMworld, Kyle. I hope the Dell provisioning thing was kind of interesting, and the overall sort of move towards making things easier for IT. I just found that kind of very interesting. The different things for that. Yeah, the, the Dell thing. That's like where 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 now. So they'll they'll actually install your your apps onto the laptop in the factory. Like uh, like a year ago, I think it was like you know some sort of uh, provisioning. But then you still had to download the apps on your own. But now they'll actually install them. Yeah, because what happens? And even everyone talks about like autopilot and managed devices. Even for a full unmanaged device, if you're using Azure Active Directory. Um, you know, you, you can buy a machine from Best Buy, whatever you want, and, and log into it. And uh, if you know if you're using Workspace One, you're managed. Then, like the third screen, 14 seconds after booting up, is going to Workspace One authentication screen. They can start pulling down your applications and all that sort of thing. So that all the Dell thing is doing is like, yeah, that's great. But if you have 10 gigs of applications, it could take a while, depending on where it's going. So there's always been, and I wish that they explained this better in the keynote yesterday. There's always been the ability, like Gabe and I were at Intercom, and we, Intercom used to ship like 8,000 custom image machines, desktops per day, with like customers' custom images on them. So custom images from the factory has been a thing for 20 years. The difference here is it's like, oh, if you got Workspace ONE, and you know which apps that user needs, it's basically like the Dell factory process can sort of put the Workspace ONE agent on there, and like connect it up and say, oh, I need these 15 apps put on it, and it'll download them and use Dell's bandwidth at their factory <laughs> instead of your own bandwidth. So it's kind of a cool thing. Um, it's not to me. It was. It was. Um, I think a lot of people are thinking like, well, like I said, I could image machines forever. What's the difference? The difference is now you're not really saying um, I have to build an f- image and approve it. And everything. It's like you can actually sort of say like, here's my workspace one management console that sets up like here's all the apps and the patches and the profiles I'm using and everything and just like say like, order me these from Dell yeah. and they, they got that already instead of like building an image the yeah. old way. Yeah. And and since since you're talking about that right now, what was what was your favorite thing from yesterday? I thought it was uh, nothing to do with EUC at all, but it was the um, uh, that RDS, the not remote desktop services, the re- relational database service, the the AWS service on premises. Um, I thought was actually kind of cool because that just got my whole mind spinning about oh my gosh, if you can run Amazon Web Services on prem, and I don't know if that's you had that tweet like, can I rent my space? My compute space back out to Amazon. Yeah, and I don't know if that's what like Chris Matthews is doing. Chris Matthew with um, like Compute's I/O, you know, like this whole edge thing. But like, hey, my coffee pot's got a arm in it. Like, well, isn't that what? Can pe- I get twelve cents an hour for someone to like compile some? Yeah. You know. Well, and and that's what the ads in my browser are doing to like the, <laughs> the, the, yeah. the Bitcoin miners. They have, yeah. they have a Wi-Fi or they they have an I jump rope. I'm gonna call it at like the Apple Store. Oh my gosh! So when while you're swinging the jump rope, it'll actually show you like the LED clocks that wag back and forth as your jump rope's going around. It adjusts the timing and actually shows your workout stats in the LED in the jump rope. But that's got to have some, you know, that's got that's yeah. Bluetooth to your phone, so that right. ought to be able to compute some my, stuff too. And it's just sitting. My there. my le- I pulled my left AirPod out uh, right. of, of my ears. <laughs> So it's not generating music. It's yeah, yeah. I, I mean, guess you know, that, that, that's that's battery power. That's why I so. don't own AirPods. I guarantee I'd just lose one, and I'd end up with a drawer full of lefts. Although I, I have to say that the, <laughs> the the biggest thing between now and one year ago that changed my life, um, Bluetooth headphones for the first time ever. Uh, because I was like, ah, oh, what's a big deal? Like you know, it's just a cord. But uh, they've um, changed my life. And, and I'm on a, like generic thirty thirty dollar, you know. Two earbuds with a 18-inch long cord between between them, and 
So, all right. So I was camped out at the border grill most of the day yesterday. Um, and so, but the coolest thing that I saw was I was talking to, you introduced me to a guy named Jeroen in your session. He and his friend from the Netherlands had built a race car uh, driver. Johan, not Jeroen. Sorry, Johan. Uh, ra- race, racing simulator using Blast Extreme with tweaks. Uh, but so they, they, can, they can race cars, like play a racing game remotely with full force feedback, steering wheels, and all that stuff. And so they, they, they have this rig, they bring it around. Brian actually got to drive it, like, but they were, they were describing it, showing me pictures. And that's pretty neat that we can do that kind of thing today, which was just unheard of, you know, five years ago. Even. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, so lastly, my, my thing was from the main stage keynote and also not very, uh, very EUC, but uh, the, the edge stuff and when they showed uh, they had the demo like it's like we're you know managing this VM on a wind turbine, and then then Pat comes on stage you know like with the you know I I, I thought that, uh, you know it's a keynote joke so it's a little bit like staged but he's like wait we've been doing this for years and then Ray's like but this is on ARM sixty four oh yeah yeah, yeah. so so that was uh, ESX on on ARM by the way speaking of his arm you know that tattoo is real. I, so there's rumors about his pack going to go to Intel to be CEO there. Um, I'm like, he got a big freaking tattoo. That is not a, um, that is like a foot long. I mean, I <laughs> think I'd rather be the, be the CEO of, of VMware than, than, than Intel. I think I would oh, Did you say Intel or Dell? Intel. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'd rather be the CEO of <laughs> VMware than Dell also, frankly. But. Yeah. 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 Um, well, so, so it's been an hour, and uh, and we have we have places to go and lots more things to see on the show floor. Um, looking forward to a session tonight. I I'm actually mostly done with my slide deck. I think so. Awesome. That's that's an improvement of where I am. Um, really, because you used to finish your deck like a day or two early. So like you're becoming more like a long us. Way. Yeah. Like I made my deck for yesterday afternoon during the keynote in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so we have we have a whole day and two-thirds left of, of VMworld, so uh, check out brianmadden.com for, for more articles and, and uh, from, from me and Kyle and Gabe, you're blogging at, uh, at, at FSLogix. Every I've so often. Stuff and yeah, every so often. So we'll stay tuned for us end of September. We've got some stuff coming out that, yeah. uh, that'll be pretty interesting. So, uh, but yeah, no, that's all. Thanks for having me on. This yeah, thanks for joining. And, and, and Brian, I, I I, I heard you promise like deep dive technical podcasts uh, with like product managers on, mm-hmm. on how all of these features work. So I'm looking forward to those. I did one. Um, so and I didn't really advertise it. To yet. It. It. What's that? He said I'm looking forward to those. I'm like looking forward to it. <laughs> I, I did. I did. Uh, if you, so I've got the I've got the domain the, the domain bmad bmad dot com. So if you go there, click the podcast link. It's like pod.bmad.com or something. Uh, and I did one with Jason Rozak about Windows 10 modern management. Um, but um, yeah, I'm recording a few more next week. And uh, I'm, this job of VMware I'm, is really, really, really busy. Uh, it's like, it's not a hard job. Um, like, it's, it's fun. It's not like it's, I mean, you know, we talk about this technology. It's, it's, so it's not like mentally taxing. It's just really busy. So I was like, oh, the podcasts and blogs and have all the time in the world. And like, yeah, it's been hard. I think, you've done, I, I think I've seen like three or four blogs from you. So yeah, you think uh, th- I think it's like two, but yeah. <laughs> it's hard to record on an airplane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I've got lots of ideas. I got a list of two pages long of, of, of blog post topics. So all right.
Uh, well, Brian, thanks for uh, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Gabe, thank you for uh, for joining as well. Uh, Kyle, thank you for uh, for co-hosting and uh, for being here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you down on the floor at the show. This is where we have the the music to fade up. <laughs>